With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Do you know what I use to record these podcasts? It's Anchor by Spotify. It's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Let me explain. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or a computer. It's all really, really easy. It's all really intuitive. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast. Good afternoon. Welcome to Sports and Other But Sports with Ken Sterling for Tuesday, April 21st, 2020. Brought to you by the great people at Today's Dentistry. They're going to be open for business soon right now, just doing emergency work. So if you've got a dental emergency, call 317-849-2933. If you need normal dentistry, like a cleaning or examination, call, and they're going to get you on the schedule. Let's talk about sports. Purdue transfer. He's grad eligible. Matt Harms, he's down to three schools. He's either going to Kentucky, Texas Tech, or BYU, according to Jeff Borzello at ESPN. I have no interest in where he goes. I think Purdue's going to be better off without him. I think Kentucky would be worse off for him. I think he'd be a good fit at BYU. And at Texas Tech, I don't know what in the hell he'd really do. Uh, Matt Harms is an enigma to me. He's got the haircut. He's 7'3", he's a rim protector, he has difficulty moving, he has difficulty scoring. That is a problem. It was a problem for Purdue. It's going to be a problem wherever he goes. We're not being snarky about Matt Harms because he's leaving Purdue. We're being a little bit negative about his influence on the Boilermakers and on whatever school that he attends because, really, he's not altogether that good a basketball player. So if he goes to Kentucky, good luck getting off the bench. If he goes to Texas Tech, he's going to have some trouble staying on the floor. If he goes to BYU, I think he's going to have a good experience playing a lot of basketball. So there you go. There's a question being asked today and a point being made by Michael Lombardi, and that's that uh, Malik Hooker is on the trading block for the Indianapolis Colts. The question is, will the Colts trade Malik Hooker? Do they have a better chance to gain value from him as a player on their roster, or is he more valuable as a trade chip for somebody to go out and get a third or a fourth round draft pick if they could get that for him? He was the 15th overall pick in 2017. He's just 24. He just turned 24 years old, entering his fourth season in the NFL. He's had trouble staying healthy. He hasn't played a full season yet. He hasn't played all 16 games. He's got seven interceptions in his career. He has missed 14 games. He was the 54th ranked safety by Pro Football Focus, and he was the 74th ranked safety in uh, coverage. 
So there you go. That's kind of a snapshot, not a complete snapshot, but a snapshot of uh, of Malik Hooker from probably 30,000 feet. Can the Colts get more for him in a draft pick that comes to the team than he would represent as a guy playing for the team? Is he a guy that the Colts foresee coming back once he's done with his initial contract, or is he going to be a goner? We're going to find out. Malik Hooker has been a disappointment as a 15th uh, overall pick because the guy who was selected immediately after him is uh, cornerback Marlon Humphrey of the Baltimore Ravens, taken 16th, and he's been pretty good as a cornerback. He was in the Pro Bowl and named to an All-Pro team this past season. So that this is how you start. What Chris Ballard came here. Right, and in that first draft, which was 2017, he was playing with the house's money. Right, nobody knew what these guys are going to be, but after three seasons, you got a pretty good idea. And the idea of uh, of Malik Hooker is not a positive one. The evaluation of that guy is not positive. The evaluation of Quincy Wilson is not positive. There is starting to develop kind of a momentum to look at the drafts of Chris Ballard and say, you know what? I don't know about any of this. Now, the draft in 2018, where they got both Quentin Nelson and Darius Leonard, that winds up being a pretty damn good draft. This previous draft with Bobby Okariki and and guys like that, also a pretty good draft. Rocky Seen was not bad and projects as a starting cornerback. So you, you look at the last two, it's not quite what you saw in 2017. 2017, you didn't get a hell of a lot that you point to and you say, yay, we got that. He's got another draft coming up beginning on Thursday night. The Colts right now, they don't have a first-round pick. A lot of people think that the Colts are going to trade into the first round. And here is uh, from Athlon Sports, a guy named Brian Fisher believes that the Colts are going to trade the 34th pick, the 160th pick in 2020, and a future third-round pick in order to move up from 34 to 27. I'm telling you right now, that is not the way Chris Ballard's brain works. He looks at a fourth-round pick, and he sees the equity that it represents. He sees a human being who they he believes they can go out and get to play football at a starter level. All right, that's what they look at. They look at third round, fourth round guys as incoming starters. That's why they don't mind trading out of the first round. They traded the 13th overall pick for DeForest Buckner. That 13th overall pick might now be traded by the San Francisco 49ers. But anyway, what they, they see the equity in lots and lots of picks. And they know this. These, these are math guys. They get math. And that's that, you know, in the first round, you got about a 50% chance of hitting. In the second round, it's about 30%. Third round, you got about a 15% chance of hitting. They believe in the third round, with the way they evaluate players, that, uh, that process gives them an advantage, gives them a percentage advantage over other teams in what they can do with a third-round pick. But here is what also is true about a third-round pick. Third-round pick isn't a first-round pick. Right, just from a talent perspective, you don't have the same level with a third rounder as you do with a first rounder. And you need first round guys, and you've got to hit on first round guys, or you've got a problem, right? You're chasing mistakes, and if you chase mistakes, you're not building, you're you're building in reverse. You're you're trying to gauze wounds rather than build the body. You see what I mean? 
So what Chris Ballard's got to do is he's start, he's got to start building the top end of this roster, and you don't do that with second and third round guys. You do it with first round guys, and you make sure that if you take a guy with a first round pick, he's going to hit. And if he does, you got something going. And if you can hit three or four years in a row, you're going to the playoffs. And if one of those guys is a franchise-level quarterback, then you've got a chance to win a championship. That's the way the NFL works, and that's the way you build NFL teams. But you do have to build from the bottom, too. I think that Ballard's done a great job of building the bottom of the roster, but you don't win championships based on the talent you've got players 35 through 53 you win championships based on one through 10 tell me give me the name we'll play a little game all right give me the name of a backup safety for the 85 bears give me the name of a backup cornerback for the pittsburgh steelers i'm not saying uh, of the 70s i'm not saying that these guys weren't important and that these guys didn't somehow contribute to the championship atmosphere and productivity that existed in Pittsburgh and Chicago, or you can do the same thing with the 49ers of the 80s and 90s, do the same thing. But if you start naming guys from the top of the roster, by God, you can name a lot of guys. You start naming guys from the Steelers championship teams, and you can damn near name all the starters, right? I'll bet off the top of my head I could name 15 guys from the Pittsburgh Steelers who won world championships. Uh, The 85 Bears, I don't know how many of those guys there were, but I'll bet you I can name all but three or four of them, okay, just because I love that team. But starters, you damn right I can name all the starters, and I can name two starters who would have been starters, but they sat out that season in a contract dispute, and those are Al Harris and Todd Bell. All right, so depth is kind of important. Dave Durson coming in and playing that safety position that was vacated by Bell, that was really important. How about a guy like Wilbur Marshall? Really, really important. You know, the defensive ends, really important on that team. You had Hampton and you had Dent. And and the year before, as either a linebacker or a defensive lineman, you had Al Harris. So you can name guys on championship teams with the Colts, Who do you name, right? Who are the stars of this team? Who are the guys, other than your left guard and an outside linebacker, who are the guys that you can kind of count on to go to a Pro Bowl? Not a running back, although Marlon Mack's not bad. Not a wide receiver because T.Y. Hilton can't stay healthy anymore. Not the cornerbacks, right? Xavier Rhodes played in a Pro Bowl three years ago, but that doesn't do anything for you in 2020. He's 30. Maybe he's still got some good football left. Last year, that wasn't it. And so last year, Xavier Rhodes became a guy that the the Minnesota Vikings didn't mind allowing to leave. And so you've got that kind of, you, you've got such a problem at cornerback that you go out and get a 30-year-old free agent who couldn't play dead last year. And that's not to say that Xavier Rhodes isn't going to be better this year. The offensive line, you kind of like with the Colts. The defensive front, you hope DeForest Buckner kind of solidifies everything with the defensive front. Kind of like the linebackers, especially the outside guys. I like Okariki. I like Darius Leonard. The cornerbacks, I don't know whether they've got starting level cornerbacks right now so you've got you've got gaping holes you have no weapons on the outside unless Paris Campbell comes back and can maintain his health and T.Y. Hilton can do that 
right? The weapon that you had in 2018 that Andrew Luck made look really indispensable, Eric Ebron became entirely dispensable in 2019. He's gone as a free agent. The Colts, they don't have him anymore. So at tight end, you got Jack Doyle and Mo Ali Cox, and that's all, and that's not good. So you need a tight end, you need wide receivers, you need cornerbacks, you need a franchise-level quarterback, and that's what uh, Brian Fisher from Athlon thinks that the Colts are going to do as they trade up to 27. They're going to move up to 27 to go get Jordan Love. Maybe Jordan Love's the guy, maybe Jordan Love's not. But I'm telling you, if you're going to draft a guy that you project to be a franchise-level quarterback, you better be damn sure you're right. And if you're going to trade that kind of draft equity... Right, 34, 160, and then a third rounder for next year. If you're going to swap those three guys in order to move up seven spots to get Jordan Love, you better damn well be right. Otherwise, you're losing three guys, right? You're losing three guys to go get Jordan Love, and if Jordan Love can't play, all three of those other guys are goners. Do you take a safety? Do you take a cornerback? What do you do? They got lots of ways to either make this a terrific draft or lots of ways to screw this up. And we're going to see what Chris Ballard is capable of in this draft because at some point he's going to be held accountable for that wins and losses record last year's 7-9 and nine, with or without Andrew Luck, right? Andrew Luck retiring was a big blow to the Indianapolis Colts and to Chris Ballard because he assumed that he was going to have Andrew Luck under center for at least the next five years, right? In, five years from now, not just five years from, from when he retired, but five years from now. So what you got? You know what I mean? You better be right. Is Philip Rivers the guy long-term? Absolutely not. He might not be the guy short-term. Jacoby Brissett, is he the guy long-term or short-term? No, he's not. Chad Kelly? No, please. He's not. Good arm talent, but between the ears, can you trust it? you got to be able to trust your quarterback. And that's the thing about Jordan Love, isn't it? In 2018, he looked like a quarterback he could trust. In 2019, interceptions went way up because all his receivers were different. That's what people will tell you. Or was it Jordan Love all of a sudden not making really good decisions? We're going to find out. Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, we're going to see exactly what Chris Ballard's made of and how they execute this draft. Do they move up? I don't think they're going to move up, but I hope like hell they don't move back. Because moving back, you make a sacrifice of talent. And what the Colts have done that I think is also really, really interesting is they don't have any, they got good guys, right? It used to be you walk, and there have been locker rooms like this for both the Colts and the Pacers, but you walk into the locker room and you're like, okay, I don't want to be around these people. These are difficult people to be around. I don't like talking to them. To hell with them. I've gone through that both with the Pacers and with the Colts, where, all right, I really don't need to talk to this guy again, right? This group, I love them all. It doesn't matter who you talk to. They're all great guys. You talk to Kamoko Ture, he's terrific. You talk to Bobby Okariki, he's terrific. You talk to Mo Ali Cox, fun guy to talk to. Talk to George Odom. George Odom's a great guy. Marlon Mack's terrific. Naheem Hines is terrific. Jordan Wilkins. All these guys are great dudes to talk to. I don't know whether you win football games with a locker room of all those guys. And as we're all watching The Last Dance right, about the Chicago Bulls in 1998. They had some weirdos 
on that team. They had a petulant, immature guy in Scottie Pippen. They had a guy, a killer, in Michael Jordan who had no interest in making friends anywhere for any reason. All he wanted to do was win. You had Dennis Rodman who either wanted to play winning basketball or go to Vegas and get loaded, one or the other. You you had a bunch of tough, rough-hewn guys, and Phil Jackson is the coach, not without flaws himself, right? But these guys, when it came time to lace them up, they put all that petty nonsense behind them, and they went out and played excellent basketball, winning six championships, Jordan and Pippen and Jackson, over that decade. They were together during that decade. They were together uh, eight years. They won six titles, and it could easily have been eight had Michael Jordan not left basketball to go play baseball for a couple of years, whatever the story behind him leaving, whether it was a gambling thing and he was going to be suspended anyway, whatever it was. The Bulls were really, really good despite having some ill-fitting behavioral pieces on that team. You look at a team like the 85 Bears, same deal, right? You look at a team like the, uh, the Oakland A's of the early 70s, the New York Yankees of the late 70s. A lot of these teams, there were guys who did not get along and who were unpleasant to one another and everybody else who came in contact with them. But you know what they did? They won. And I'm not saying that you've got to not get along in order to win. I'm just saying that talent that doesn't get along beats the living hell out of untalented guys who love each other like brothers. So we'll see what the Colts do. They think they got the secret sauce for evaluating behavior. We'll see. This is the fourth draft for Chris Ballard, and it's about time for this team to start winning. If he's building through culture, we're going to see that culture start to avail itself this year, and we'll see if they can win despite having a 38 and soon-to-be 39-year-old Philip Rivers under center, a guy who over the last 10 years, his aggregate record 77 and 83. He's gone to the playoffs once in the last six years. His past year, his Chargers were 5-11. and 11. By the way, the Chargers unveiled new uniforms today. They got three different sets of jerseys. They've got three different sets of pants, and they're going to mix and match them. That drives me nuts. I like teams like the Colts. The Colts have their blues. The Colts have their whites. They got two colors. That's it. That's all they do. I love that. The Chargers, they don't know who they are. They don't know what they should look like. And that's the way they play football. I think it all starts at the top. And I think the uniforms are kind of a manifestation of that. You look at the Bears, same deal. They got their whites. They got their blacks. That's it. That's all. Done. You know? And, and they have been virtually unchanged, virtually, for a long, long time. Colts, virtually unchanged for a long, long time. That's the way you do uniforms. What does uniform mean? Uni, that's one, right? Uni, like unicycle, one wheel. Uniform, right? One form, one set of clothes. You wear those, and we'll wear these, and we'll knock the hell out of each other, and we'll see who's going to win a football game. That's the way football's played, and that's why uniforms exist. For teams like the Chargers, they're trying to move merchandise rather than, than form a winning football team. Can you do both? I don't know. Look at the teams who move merchandise. Look at what the Steelers do. Steelers, they got whites. 
Steelers, they got blacks, right? And how many people do you see in the city of Pittsburgh wearing Steelers uniforms? Everyone. Everyone wears a Steelers uniform, all right? In Chicago, that's what you see. In Green Bay, what do they got? They, they don't have purple jerseys. They don't have sky blue jerseys. They don't have three jerseys. They got greens. They got whites. That's it. The color rush nonsense, I've had it with that crap. I'm tired of people trying to figure out, spending bandwidth within the organization to figure out how much merchandise they can move rather than how many victories they can stack. I think it's ridiculous. Tomorrow morning, breakfast with Kent, bright and early, 8 o'clock on Facebook Live, and then on Periscope slash Twitter at uh, about 8.15, and then on YouTube after that, we do it. We go all day long. We are in constant. We do two things here. We are either building perspective or sharing perspective. That's what we do. And then at 11.30 every day on uh, Facebook Live, and then there immediately thereafter on Twitter and Periscope, we share a, uh, a chapter of Oops, The Art of Learning from Mistakes and Adventures by me. You can get it at Amazon.com. You can get the audiobook, ebook delivered immediately. The hardcover book you can get, but it takes about a week to ship. So there you go. All you got to do is go to Amazon and search Oops and Kent. That's it. Easy. We'll talk to you tomorrow morning, 8 o'clock, brought to you by the great people at Today's Dentistry. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.